Welcome to The Radical Bureaucrat, a podcast for people who want to change institutions from the inside. I'm Sam Rosaldo, and I believe that good government matters, like, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I'm Abram Guerra, and I believe that complicated problems never have simple solutions. Oh, me too. <laughs> if you work in a bureaucracy like we do, or if you care about bureaucracies, then we think you'll get a lot out of our podcast, The Radical Bureaucrat. Today we're going to do something a little different. A lot different. <laughs> All right. A lot different. We're about to watch and reflect on a movie, which we haven't done before. I mean, we've watched movies before. Uh, we're doing not it with on two, this podcast. Not on this podcast, though. Um, we're, we're doing it with uh, two of our very favorite people. That's oh. right. The movie is Brazil, a British movie made in 1985 that has been described as a dystopian fantasy slash satire on bureaucratic society. But before we get to that, let's tell the listeners who we're with. So we're with two very radical friends of ours, Patrick G. Williamson and Tony Smith Thompson. And we'll start with Patrick. Patrick, can you tell us a little bit about what you're about? Absolutely. What I'm about is this podcast. I'll start off. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I, I find that uh, I, I was looking for this outlet before even realizing that you all were, were you know, um, having these conversations. And so it was just like a breath of fresh air to hear the work that you all were doing. And you've been so inclusive with everybody in terms of the process of building. Um, and so I always respect that. Uh, my name's Thank Patrick. You. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name's Patrick. Uh, I work for the New York City Department of Education and the Department of Teaching and Learning. Um, I've been there for about three years and I've worked in the office of uh, Office of Post-Secondary Readiness, the Office of Leadership, and now I'm in the Office of um, Teacher Development with a program called New York City Men Teach. Um, I am also a poet and a photographer and a lover of life. Um, I'm learning so much from just interpersonal connections. I think that everything that I do in life will be revolved around interpersonal connections and proper representation specifically of people of color. Um, and then I also have a, a podcast. That, yeah, you do. <laughs> that uh, that I've been working on. That we've been that we've been uh, collaborating on, sharing best practices. It's called Three Educated Brothers, a podcast about all things education through the perspectives of three black men in the field. Check it out. We're on uh, Apple Music and SoundCloud, and we're we're always looking to build. So you know that's what we're doing here too. So definitely to check here. it out. Excellent podcast. Brothers with an A. Mm. Yeah. And the number three. Yeah, yeah, the number three, Brothers with an A. You gotta keep that, um, you know, for the culture. Yeah. The culture. Definitely, <laughs> definitely an inspiration for me and Abram. Um, yeah. Uh, agreed. Uh, so, Tony, what about you? Can you uh, can you give us the brief intro? Sure. Uh, I also am very excited about this podcast, and I'm really excited to be here. Uh, my name is Tony. I work for the New York Civil Liberties Union as an organizer. And I've been there over seven years, and I haven't always worked as an organizer there. And uh, it's not what you would typically think of as a bureaucracy, but it's a large nonprofit organization, and so certainly has elements of bureaucracy in it, Mm -hmm. and that there are always so many small moving pieces Mm -hmm. that require many people to um, produce outcomes. And so I would say my life goal i guess is to um hold a mirror up to america's face and have it be honest about who it is and the values that it actually um enacts in practice Mm. as opposed to the values that it espouses on Mm. paper and verbally 
And uh, I do that in my job. I mostly focus on our campaigns to strengthen and protect public education. Um, but outside of my job, uh, I also speak and write on other issues of um, equity and justice, including freedom of speech um, and you know sickle cell anemia, the healthcare system. And so I whatever wherever, whatever life experiences I'm having, um, I'm looking for ways to use those experiences in order to kind of shed light on the hypocrisies that I see. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Great intros. Thank you both so much for being here. You both are inspirations. Mm -hmm. So we're really excited. And y'all who are out there listening, if you haven't heard from these folks before, you will. Yeah, you have this to look for. Yeah, yeah you can Google it. Oh, shucks. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to watch this movie, yeah. Brazil. And, uh, and then we'll be right back. We'll be right back. <laughs> Catch y'all. All right, so we're running credits on Brazil. We just finished a very out there movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish everyone could see the expressions on our faces. Lots of eyebrows <laughs> raised, mouths agape. Lots of questions. Lots so of questions. questions. So many questions. <laughs> so the movie focuses on the protagonist, Sam Lowry, who works for Central Services. Central services meaning like the large government apparatus. Any layers. Yeah, many layers, layers. yes. Um, and he keeps having this dream of, of rescuing a damsel in distress. Uh, but yeah, what are your initial reactions? <laughs> I feel like the movie ended five times. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so I'm sitting with the final actual ending. Mm hmm. And the first thing I'm left with is that it ends in a dream state. Mm -hmm. And what that brought up for me is the ways that people have to escape from the daily grind mm -hmm. and like the tortures of their daily life mm -hmm. through entertainment or sports or religion or whatever. And there were a lot of references to Christianity in here, but how he's like dead at the end, but not mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in like the state of kind of perpetual undeadness. Mm. Definitely. What about yeah. you, Patrick? No, I feel the 100% the same way. The The amount of metaphors that from from the mother wearing a shoe on her head, like how that's like <laughs> upside down and like, you know, uh -huh. I think I think that uh, what it was rooted in heavily was the feeling that Sam had in terms of being, like feeling as if he's the only one that is seeing through the veil or seeing the ridiculous world that he's living in. Like, you know, I think that uh, Tuttle, his name was Tuttle, or? Yeah. Um, he was like Superman in this Yeah, movie. yeah, like, he was. He was great, because like yeah. when he comes around, it's like almost validation. Tuttle played for... by Robert De Niro. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> Harry Tuttle, heating engineer at your service. Are you from Central Services? <laughs> I called Central Services. Well, they're a little overworked these days. Luckily, I intercepted your call. Adding layers, layers on layers. Um, yeah, no, just seeing the feeling of, of feeling like, uh, you know, you're seeing something that is not being validated by like the system or by the masses 
can have you feeling like you're mm -hmm. going insane. Mm -hmm. um, and then like seeing a lot of the metaphors or seeing his reaction. I think that one of the best scenes in it was when the explosion happened in the restaurant. Yes. And then like they continued on with conversation yeah. as if it wasn't happening, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. Things like that. Let's, let's talk about like one thing for a second. Let's talk about that notion of normalcy mm -hmm. and like who accepts what's normal and who who doesn't and mm -hmm. maybe it would help if at this point let's just stop for a second and instead of like interpreting to talk about in the movie who who's accepting of normalcy and who isn't so anyone want to help with that sometimes normalcy can be you know overt or covert or, or, or normalcy can be um, normalcy can look like silence or it can look like like assimilation that is right in front of your face and you can kind of see it and I feel like the mother served the purpose of like you know well you should really get this good job Sam it's time for you to grow up and accept responsibility your poor father would be appalled at your lack of promotion <sighs> mother I just wish you would stop interfering I don't want promotion I'm happy where I am no you're not Jack Lint is a lesson to you. He doesn't have your brains, but he's got the ambition. You haven't got the ambition. Luckily, you've got me and the deputy minister. Mr. Helpman was very close now to your please, father. please, Mrs. Lowry, <laughs> don't get upset. <laughs> Mr. Lowry, please wait in reception. You're giving her wrinkles. You see? I think it was the, uh, Just try her legs, Mrs. Lowry. Uh, there was one scene where one of the... His co-workers was like, oh, why would you want to be in this office? Like, there's no, mm -hmm. basically saying there's no room for social mobility or like mm -hmm. you, you won't get exposed in that way. Um, and it, it really touched back to like the individualistic nature that can sometimes be in these settings where it's like you mm -hmm. have the broader work that you're doing and then you have your individual, you yeah. know, inclinations to provide for yourself or your family or what it may mm -hmm. be. Um, and I feel like that was a huge sort like that was kind of an underlying value of the normalcy yeah. that was expected in this world it was kind of like why would you do anything for anybody yeah. else like what what you know yeah. Um, yeah so i feel like the mom was like always on his back like you know she was yeah. the reason for the promotion and she was uh you know Trying involved with mr Hellman, and you know like she was she epitomized kind of that that expectation mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what you just said made me realize what's missing from normal in this reality was there was zero sense of community anywhere. Mm. There were these two stark sectors of society, the people who worked for central offices and then the people outside of it who were targeted and victimized. And But no, nowhere did you get a sense that people were in it together, that they were for each other. Mm -hmm. You have the mom's best friend who's dying from bad yeah. plastic surgery. Yeah, literally like slowly dying, dying, slowly in, front dying. Of our, in front of us. Yeah. Um, but everyone keeping up the pretense yeah. that it's going to get better uh -huh. and that it's worth the risk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, so the mother figure is really interesting. And to Sam's question, right? Like, one person who doesn't buy into the normalcy is the wife of the guy that gets taken away. Basically the wrong person gets taken away because of a weird error in the bureaucracy. Somebody gets arrested, yeah. it's not like really there's dead. a home invasion.
I hereby inform you on the powers entrusted to me under section 47, paragraph 7 of Council Order number 438476 that Mr. Buttle, Archibald, residing at 412 North Tower, Shangri-La Towers, has been invited to assist the Ministry of Information with certain inquiries, and that he is liable to certain financial obligations as specified in Council Order RB stroke CZ stroke 907 stroke X. Sign here, please. Thank you. Same again, please. Just there. Press harder this time. Good. Oh, but this is all about. That is your receipt for your husband. Thank you. And this is my receipt for your receipt. Mrs. Buttle? Yeah. They get the wrong guy, but they don't recognize their error until later. Right. That's it. Nothing to worry about. Really? It's Tuttle downstairs who can worry, eh? Tuttle? His name's Buttle. There must be some mistake. Mistake? <laughs> we don't make mistakes. <laughs> Bloody typical. They've gone back to metric without telling us. And then, the and then most of what take... people are doing is trying to erase the error, but nobody is acknowledging that there's like this person who's been tortured and mm -hmm. like interrogated and mm -hmm. died. Mm -hmm. Yep. Until yep. the wife, the wife is like, where's the body? And like, that's the like, and it's this really gut-wrenching scene. Like, well, because yeah. because Sam, our hero, our protagonist, right, goes out because he wants to correct the error. So he wants to give her this refund Refund. Check. Because he, when you get arrested, you get charged for the cost of arresting you. And he thinks he's being oh, a good bureaucrat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's mm. doing... And he even says, he's mm. like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't usually do this. Like, I don't have to come and do it. I'm kind of like doing you a favor. Mm -hmm. It's right? Christmas. It's Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. And she's like, what... Where's my husband? Like, he's dead, isn't he? Where's his body, right? Yeah. And so it's interesting to me that that's, those are two kind of mother figures in the movie, mm. right? There's, there's a few people in the film who have not bought into this pure individualism thing uh, and, and who are just kind of like more recognizably human, right? right. Who are like, where's, where's my husband, mm -hmm. right? Or are you okay, right? And having those feelings is, you know in when the masses are on one side like her reaction is probably the most human reaction out of right. like all of the individuals that we saw um and the the result of having kind of a human reaction is almost immobility like she was just staring mm. out the window right after yeah, she's after paralyzed. everything happened she's yeah. paralyzed because you know she's probably closely closer connected to humanity than the rest mm -hmm. of society was right um and it, you know that's almost like Baldwinian in, in in the sense of like to be you know awoken and and aware of right. the injustices is to be in a constant state of rage or mm -hmm. in her case you know just immobilizing mm. yeah helpless despair yeah, yeah despair, like, despondency yeah right, right I was just last night at the workshop for a, a nonprofit here in the city called Epic. Uh, what is it? Epic Theater right. Company? Mm -hmm. Shout out to Epic. We'll post in the show notes uh, who <laughs> Epic is. But they, they do this program with high school students. Uh, you know, there's lots of silliness. It is high school students and yet also like these moments that just kind of hit you mm -hmm. uh, right in the gut. And there was one where the kids did this really weird thing. And they, there was like three or four kids and they almost, you see like a, like a choreographed thing where like multiple people's arms and sort of stuff. And, and they kind of look like one thing. So they mm. did that. And then they all said in unison, like, we are the system. And okay. then a parent comes and is like, oh, 
I need to uh, find the schools that have uh, peanut uh, free lunches because my kid has a peanut allergy. And they're like, oh, you've got to go to room 230. And the parent walks off stage. And then the students like reconfigure themselves into like a different shape as a group. And then the person comes in and they're like, welcome, we're here to serve you or something like that. Wow. And it was this like really crazy moment of like, this is why we're doing the podcast mm. because there are people who are the system and who are saying, you know, it's our pleasure to serve you and yet are doing stuff that's like, you know, sending crazy people in circles, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah, like yeah, crazy yeah. inducing. Yeah. And like, it, it isn't it isn't as if the, the, the vast majority of that is not like ill intention. Right. Nobody is like trying to like send you in circles. At least I don't think so. Mm. And, and yet there is something very profound about being complicit in the system. Mm -hmm. And like, that's exactly what this podcast is supposed to be about because like we're trying to figure out how do we be in the system that we have to comply with and yet try to figure out how to make it more for people, for yeah. humans. And so, it, we don't want to fall going along with that. Cause it's so, that's so important. Cause we don't want to fall trapped to, you know, it's easy to look at the system and see the flaws in it and yeah. automatically say that everything about that system is problematic. You yeah. know, the, I feel like in certain circumstances that can be applied to, let's say whiteness. Like there are elements that we tie to whiteness that are really just tied to access to information sure. or, you know, like these broader logic or whatever it may be. But because it has been denied to communities for so long, right. like you can kind of look at things and be like, wow, well, you know, that that's kind of like their thing and, right. and, and they're not us and we don't want to be them. So we're going right. to start our own thing uh, that can't have any overlapping right. values. And like even the way, you know, we talk about like organizing and how do you structure organizing and like how do you do it in a way that doesn't just play into the norms and like, mm -hmm. you know, as soon as you fundraise, what happens? Like we have these conversations, right? But like. I mean, some of that, like, it's good to have resources to yeah, like, do yeah. things like, yeah. so like you can't throw it all out, but like a lot of it is so, uh, to use an overused word problematic. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't, I don't want that, but I, but I kind of need, I don't know how else to organize right, right. a thing. Or I want a nuanced version. Yeah. I want a version that sees my reality in the yeah. structure of it, the foundation of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of the things that comes up a lot at work for me and just more broadly about bureaucracies is when you're organizing a large institution you have to have so many smaller pieces right and when everybody is responsible for their mm -hmm. small piece the goal becomes the piece right. and not the goal mm -hmm. and so in this movie everyone's goal i mean what what kept sitting with me in this movie was how out of proportion right. the concerns were <laughs> for like yeah. the dire the considerations for not getting a form filled out properly right. or you know or like a refund check that indicated a mistake and that was like a life or death matter mm -hmm. whereas mm -hmm. life or death matters was like but why, why are you talking about your dead husband i'm here to give you your refund check right. so there was this very yeah. disproportionate response on both ends right. because people in the bureaucracy were so far from the mm -hmm. ultimate purpose which is like to serve yeah. a society you're just kind of fighting to have your voice heard you're like in the line of people behind the boss like hey what about this what about this you're so focused on your like slip of paper yeah. or whatever and like moving it forward that's how you make meaning of your work mm -hmm. right and right that's, that's what workplace politics is mm -hmm. yeah well i think i think we should talk about the end of the movie so i'm just going to give 
the spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> it's been out for like 40 years. So <laughs> right, right. the statute of limitations is <laughs> up. You've had your time to watch okay. it. 33 to be exact. Yeah. So, okay. um, the, uh, so I might misdescribe this so you guys jump in, right? But um, at the end of the movie, Sam gets captured. He finally got the girl, but he gets taken out of bed with her and captured mm-hmm. and put in this torture chair and the the main torturer who comes out with this horrific chucky like mask but he knows who it is it's it's an old friend of his named jack jack and just when jack is about to uh begin torturing him for a confession, um, he gets shot in the head. Please, Jack, no! And that's where trouble comes in. And with a bunch of commandos. A bunch of commandos. style. Yep. There's a whole chase sequence, and in the end, Sam appears to, um, to take off, and at that point, uh, my friend Genevieve, who was here, like, was about to get up to turn the lights on because we thought it might be over. Yeah, but, yeah. But no, it's not no, over. It's not over yet. Yeah, <laughs> because then it turns out that it's uh, it's a dream, um, and then you not hear not just a dream, but like a psychotic break. Yes, yeah. and they and you hear Jack and the the the, the head guy, deputy minister, right? Information um, say we lost them. Yep. Right, and he's off somewhere else, and he's humming the Brazil song, which mm-hmm. is what the movie is named after. Yeah. This song, vowing mm-hmm. he'll return yeah. to Brazil. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. wait. I just had another thought. When okay. you just said we lost him, uh-huh. yeah. then could that mean something else that he's not lost like dead, but lost from the system? Yeah. Like maybe that alternative dream he's, state he's, he's, he's is an alternative major. real state. Sure. I mean, this movie. I could, like that. Yeah. I'm sure this movie could riff for another two hours on the dream state. Well, it's yeah, it's not to. totally hopeless because he's got a little like he looks peaceful, yeah. Yeah. right? He's peaceful, and it's yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 not. There's a there's a sense in which you know it's not a Hollywood Hollywood ending, but it's not like a dark ending either. Right. I mean, yeah. maybe a better ending than him continuing to do his day job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What it what That's it ends, a fair point. What it strikes me as is an ending that is. Uh, utterly realistic and it you know sometimes it's dis- <laughs> that is the most discomfortable thing to sit with at the end yeah. of a movie is like yeah or uncomfortable thing to sit with is is just the fact that that is what i'm probably gonna go to work tomorrow with or like you know like it's it's like wow you didn't yeah you yeah. didn't fantasize this at all like i have well, to it made me think now. of what you said earlier though about do we have to throw out all parts of the system and mm-hmm. i i think because when he was in his dream state and he's escaping with Tuttle, he blows up the whole fucking building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yes, he does. Um, yep. and, it, and, and I was watching that, and I was like, oh, wow. Like, there's no rocking the boat and still staying in it here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's either mm-hmm. like... There's no more boat. You know, yeah. There's no being at this, getting a seat at the table. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to burn the shit down. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. that kind of, is that the message of the movie? And then, and then if you don't, then you're going to... 
But like the, think, your material yeah. conditions aren't going to change. So to your point about the verdict, what is the film's verdict or the director's verdict, I guess? That's all not real. In reality, he's sitting in this torture chair imagining that he's blown it all up and that there's some brighter tomorrow on the other edge. And in some ways, that's the, the sort of G.I. Joe hero kind of myth that like, well, the end result of somebody thinking that they can do on their own, mm -hmm. like fix the world and forget all this system stuff, is basically a, a dream. It's mm -hmm. a dream state, right? And like, it's a dream that involves destroying everything and running away to some pasture. But like, honestly, like we've talked about this before, I think, like pe people sort of throw around the revolution thing, but like people have never been like hunted as a criminal. Like if you really want to start a revolution, that's what you're asking for, yeah. mm -hmm. right? If you don't, if you've never gone to target practice and fired a gun, you're not going to last very long in the revolution. Right. Mm -hmm. If you don't know how to grow food, once you blow up the food system, what are you going to eat? Right? Which is, I think the killer Mike first, right? We brag on having bread, but none of us are bakers. We all talk having greens, but none of us own acres. If none of us own acres and none of us grow wheat, then who will feed our people when our people need to eat? So it seems our people starve from lack of understanding. Because all we seem to get them is Right? Like, how are people going to eat? Like, so, so in, in a way, I feel like the verdict of the movie is that there is no lone wolf hero to save you and blow the whole thing up. There is uh, ignoring it, doing your job like everybody else. Mm -hmm. There is losing your mind and going off on some dream thing. Mm -hmm. Or what? I don't know that the that, director knows what else there is. What there isn't was any indication that incremental change is an option. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was right. Part of this film. Right. At all. Right. 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 Yeah. It was either stay in it or blow it up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there was also a lot about um, what drives people mm -hmm. to, to want to blow up the system. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in Sam's case, it wasn't being disgruntled with, it wasn't being disgruntled enough with the system to blow it up. It was really for him a personal vested interest. Mm -hmm. Well, it was. I think what the director is trying to say is that it's love. He's he feels alone and mm -hmm. like there's no human yeah. attachment that's real in his life. Yeah, like he's yeah, in like love that. with this mm -hmm. imaginary vision mm -hmm. of this girl who isn't even anything really like the girl that he, he actually ends up with, mm -hmm. and like that's what he's pursuing. He's pursuing love in the same way that like the mom is pursuing youth, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's got his his dream that he's pursuing, and yeah, there's no there's there's no incremental change because like everybody has given up yeah. on change. Yeah, they've just kind of accepted it and kind of look at you like you're crazy if you don't accept it. Mm -hmm. Or I guess you can be like a terrorist and blow things up, right? It's sort of the two options offered in the film. Yeah. So shifting gears a little bit, how, how about we um, try to make the connection from this sort of very very strange movie that we just watched to like our day-to-day -day lives so so is there anything in the film that you find really connecting to like your experience being in the bureaucracy i mean we just sort of talked about this like you know two opposites of like blowing everything up or just like ignoring it all like mm -hmm. where's that like in between or whatever or maybe there's something else from the movie that like really spoke to like your experience in the bureaucracy I can certainly think of a couple but I think you guys are probably more interesting for our listeners than we are <laughs> can I start with something very simple and physical sure yes 
in the film, there were tons, every single hallway had those small square, like translucent windows yeah. that are so public school. Yeah. And every time I saw one, it, the film was no longer ridiculous. It was uh -huh. very real. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, I uh, walked those hallways uh -huh. so yeah, many times. It's like times. these little square kind of privacy glass things yes. yeah. that you can't see through, but like the light comes and they're in like, or whatever. Oh, six inches to a yeah, foot yeah, yeah. thick. And so it kind of gives you this feeling almost of like chicken wire or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I'm going to jump in there because there's something related that we all reacted to. There was a scene where right after Sam gets his promotion, I love this scene, he gets up and, he, and he's seeing this group of people walk by. Like they're walking by in the hall and they're, they're all chasing after somebody, right? And, and, the, and you start to re recognize that the person they're chasing after is like the boss of the floor. And finally, Sam catches up to them. He's trying to get an edge, a word in edgewise and chasing after. And the guy who's in charge says to Sam, oh, we're glad you're here. He says, we've got a crack team of decision makers here. Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> which is great. Like, I could so then, relate to that. Yeah. Like, like, we're all decision makers who are chasing after him for a decision. Right. 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 Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, yeah. and that bottleneck, right? Yeah. And then the next thing he says is, they get to his office and he says, I think you'll like it up here. You've got your very own door with your very own number. And behind that door is your very own office. Yeah. And he walks into the office and it's like half an half office. Half an office, <laughs> which he's sharing a desk through the wall with someone else. <laughs> what? Yeah. And then my, the favorite thing, my favorite thing about the decision thing yes. is that then his like gift is a little toy yeah. where yes. it winds up a little thing <laughs> and then it clicks and falls down and it falls down yes or no. Right. Yeah. So like the decisions are just random. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are so, levels of random decisions. There, yeah. Yes, there are levels of random decisions. Yes. All yeah. probably so, using the same technique. Sure. Yeah. You same know. technique. So I brought I brought it way back into the movie, but I want to then like bring it back out. Like obviously there's so much of that that feels real. Mm. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. it's ridiculous, but it's it's so real. I think that uh Abram to your question, the the thing or the person that I identify most with would be like Sam himself like the you see kind of his progression to radicalism throughout the whole uh -huh. you know I, I identify with the feeling that he had in the beginning of feeling like a cog in the system almost uh -huh. where it's like you know when he looked back and realized what he said to the uh, to the daughter yeah um, that was kind of like his moment of wow I think that's the logic behind like pathological lying where it's like you sure. start believing your own lies right and you so like sometimes when you're coping with things you start coping with them to the extent that it's your second nature reaction mm. and then you look up in two years and you really you're like where am i like where what i you know where are my passions who who am i as a mm. person what do i provide to this position other than what has been like kind of prescribed right. to me yeah and like i fully can feel that like i you know i i'm i'm a little bit younger in the game in terms of uh my experience in the department of education or my experience in um this field in general and there is that feeling of uh, just utter like disdain at times where it's like, you know, feeling like nobody is really acknowledging the culture of silence that we're constantly existing within or like I'm, I'm the type to vocalize my opinion. But if I notice other people vocalizing and they've seen like repercussions for doing so, even if what they're saying is just their lived reality, um, you know, it can become like, you know, all right, well, it makes more sense for me to silence myself so that I can get, you know, uh, 
the pension and and you know all of the benefits of whatever mm. program you're in yeah. it makes sense to silence yourself and because there's a certain culture that exists there and when you come in it's either like and and we saw it in the film where it's like you either assimilate or you will be ousted and and that makes it more difficult and i was tony me and you were just talking about like you know it's almost like uh uh, complacency or complicity chooses the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. And so if you're, if you have a fear of having that like pressure or having that like ousting for being that one that isn't assimilating, uh, you know, you, if you, if you don't, ex you, you lean towards experiencing that. Mm -hmm. But if you lean towards experiencing that, you're also leaning towards complicity because mm -hmm. yeah. then you learn the ways of the land and you're not, you're silencing yourself. You're losing parts of yourself. Um, and I felt like I was doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, like I felt like I was doing that every day when I came in the office sometimes. And maybe it's in my head. Maybe right. it's just my experiences as a yeah. black man growing up in the world where that double consciousness forces me to think of, wow, like I am not myself here. Mm -hmm. And I am aware of that. Mm -hmm. You know, and I do it every day to the point where it's like, oh, well, this is just what work is. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and like you don't know any better, right? Yeah. Like you come, you spend... 20 years or whatever like going through school and all this stuff with everybody telling you the real world is coming and then like how do you know this isn't just what everybody goes through right because right. it kind of looks like it's what everybody goes through and and like in many situations the older heads in the situation will reinforce because their experience was yeah. what it is yeah you know and so that's not you know it's not necessarily a fault to them that is the experience that they've had but you know, I feel like especially being in the field of education, we are committing to being lifelong learners. You know, educate, being a social worker in general is a commitment to lifelong learning. That's what like sure. culturally responsive yeah. education is about. It's like we grew up in a situation that we felt was oppressive. So mm -hmm. how do we then validate passing yeah. that on? You just said a lot. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure which piece to build on, but you say a lot of things on this podcast. I say a lot of things on this sure. podcast, um, but I'm I'm thinking about the idea of being able to hold both mm. and to be able to escape, but also hold the position at the same time. And I'm thinking about Sam's position to accept the promotion, not because he wanted the promotion or the work, but because he wanted access. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so That's I'm exactly right. I've often been yeah. thinking about. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't want to give any spoilers, but I also recently saw Sorry to Bother You, and there are oh, a lot of similar... I need to see this. Like, I don't know how many spoilers we're doing here, but... Don't spoil that There's one. definitely yeah. a conversation <laughs> in this movie about what level of access... How many times do you need to sell your soul, and what right. level of access do you need yes. to have to accomplish yes. the things you want to accomplish? Yeah. And I've definitely felt held back in my own career by ending up on a career path that I didn't have passion for. Mm. But once you're on a career path, the easiest way to climb is by staying on that yeah, track. Right. And there's like Focus. no way yeah. to sidestep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I was able to sidestep, which was is like very rare. Yeah. Um, but I watched my peers climb ahead of me and take on director positions and stuff because they wanted to continue in that field or at least were willing to. And I wasn't willing to be the face of the type of work that I was so con conflicted about already. And so the result was that I really stayed stagnant, stagnant in right. the same kind of position in the same field for longer than I needed to right. because I didn't know where to go right. and I didn't know how to hold both. Right. Um, so it's an interesting, I don't know, it's an interesting tension. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked before, I think, on the podcast about the idea of, like, what does integrity mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, what does it mean to be an integrated person, to just remain one person mm-hmm. and not to be fake, mm-hmm. not to put on yeah. the baby mask or whatever, yeah. not to put on the mask that lets you get away with in your own mind mm-hmm. the, the, like, things that you're committing, um, but to be a person who holds their integrity and who holds some kind of office mm-hmm. of this kind of bureaucratic tiny piece of the system power, um, but in but with integrity. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Because mm-hmm. that's not really how we're socialized. Mm-hmm. We're socialized very much to to look out for number one, to to make sure we get ours, get our pension, take care of our family, whatever. And I don't, you know, I'm not down on families. Like you know, okay. I you, you very much Definitely have to like, take care of what you have to take care of as a as a a close departed friend of mine would commonly say all the time, you've got to watch the bag. You've got to be careful. <laughs> you've got to be careful to make sure that you've got yours for when it goes down. Um, so I'm not down on like, you know, getting getting your paycheck, making sure you have your pension or whatever. But there's this thing about, uh, and I think it was Vinny Schiraldi that said it uh, in, a, in a previous episode of the podcast. If you're worried about like losing this job, or you're worried about like not getting the next job after mm-hmm. this one, you're not gonna do what you need to do mm-hmm. to like really do the job with your integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was saying, Vinny Shiraldi was saying how he never expected that he would work for the government. He never had any interest in working for the government again. So that allowed him mm-hmm. to really fully live into his integrity mm-hmm. and accomplish a lot. Um, and to me, that's where, you know, what you're saying, Tony, resonates so much. Oftentimes I feel like really just need to like focus do one thing commit to it get better at it be the best at that one thing and that's how i'll get sort of attention power access etc um but it's got to be a thing that's integrity Mm. it's got to be a thing that matches matches my values that lets me be my real whole integrated self otherwise like you're saying i'm just wasting my time and everybody else's time too Mm -hmm. since you're talking about your whole integrated self i want to talk for a minute about those baby masks Mm. What was that about? Oh man! This super creepy, like Chucky something baby mask, right? It that, wasn't that even Chucky. I mean, it. is it me or were they? Was there like a lot of Asian imagery with yeah. regard to like the monsters in this movie? Yeah, yeah there's like a no. samurai. Yeah. yeah, I did at okay. one point. I did have that thought that those those okay. masks did look. So what do you what do you think? What I'm present to is when you talk about integrity, so the kind of the worst acts that were carried out in the movie were done behind masks so that the mm-hmm. person doing mm-hmm. the act didn't have to could take con- the mask off. They could, could take separate the, they, it didn't have to be them yeah. committing the yeah. act, but they also could remain like faceless to the person. Yeah, it's right. the executioner. Yeah. They were doing it it's too. The, it's the helmet that mm-hmm. the police officer is like, oh, right. it's so sweaty. I can't That's see right. through it's it. It's the uniform. Yeah. But when it, you, it's not me. Right. And as soon as they take the mask off, they're like, oh, you know. Yeah, and they're like right. regular yeah. people talking to each to other. Yeah. So when you talk about being your whole integrated self, yeah. that's you know the mask, the opposite. Yeah, of in that. a way, yeah, it's not the so, kind of integration we're talking about here. Right. Yeah. So there is an integration that is wearing the, wearing the mask. Mm-hmm. It's it's a sense of like being in the same space but being assimilated to yeah. to what Patrick is saying, right? Because mm-hmm. in in that conversation, like when I'm hearing integrity and like you know a lot of within to rise positions, you need to build credibility yeah uh you know and oftentimes credibility and vulnerability cannot exist yeah they don't go together yeah you know and but but at the same time when we clock out of work we're not attracted or at least i'm not attracted to people who 
uh, act as if they have all the answers. I'm attracted to mm. vulnerability. I'm attracted to people who are still struggling through things because mm. then maybe I can provide something. And you know what? That heightens my engagement in our friendship or mm. our whatever we're talking about because everybody wants to feel like they're involved, like or, or that their voice matters. It's so like so. Uh, there's a there's a uh, social critic. His name is Jay Smooth, and he talks about why it's so difficult to talk about race. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he says is like, you know, we need to start thinking of race as uh, the way we think of like cleanliness, where it's like, you know, you wouldn't say, "Oh, I'm a clean person," because uh, I, I took a shower in 2005. And in general, I think we need to move away from the premise that being a good person is a fixed, immutable characteristic, and shift towards seeing being good as a practice. And it is a practice that we carry out by engaging with our imperfections. We, so we need to shift from, we need to shift towards uh, thinking of being a good person the same way we think of being a clean person. Being a clean person is something that you maintain and uh, work on every day. We don't assume that uh, I'm a clean person, therefore I don't need to brush my teeth. And when someone suggests to us that we've got something stuck in our teeth, we don't say, what, what do you mean? I have something stuck in my teeth, I'm a clean person. Why would you? So I know that this is no small task, but if we can shift a little bit closer towards uh, viewing those race conversations the same way we view a conversation about something stuck in our teeth, it will go a long way uh, towards making our conversations a bit smoother. You know what I mean? Like if you to, think uh, you're a clean person, it's because you took a shower probably this morning and you brush your teeth. And but it's a daily Constant. maintenance. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it takes that. And so when we talk about race, we talk about it as like, well, I'm not racist because you're either racist or you're right. You're or, or you're perfect talking about race. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, where is the ground to expose yeah. the the biases that we're trying to you know like um, um, combat? And so like in a world where there is no in between, like what you were saying in terms of the, uh, where is the room for incremental change? If there's no room for like something that isn't as black and white as like I am this or I'm the opposite of that, right. mm-hmm. uh, it causes a culture of silence, you know, to, to, because you don't want to expose yeah. yourself, yeah. you know? The same is yeah, true of, uh, of gender. And, and speaking of sorry to bother you, Boots Riley has a line in Steal This Album. He says, I used to think that women were saints, hoes, and skeezers. To me, women had to be saints, hoes, and skeezers. And I don't think that it's going to we make revolution. But who going to make this shit if we worship prostitution? Right? Like, there's only, you can only go one way or the other. So look. This is the finale of yeah. our season, <laughs> and it's been so awesome to have you guys here. Absolutely. And, and I, tying it back to the movie, I think that um, one thing we talked about before uh, was Sam's solitary existence. And one thing that, that you referenced in the, when we started, Patrick, was how through the process of this podcast, we've, we've been dialoguing with people and bringing people in. And, and our last podcast, actually, uh, the last one that we taped anyway, was about love and mm. what does love mean in the bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I, I just had the sensation that, you know, the thing that Sam was never able to do for himself was find community. Yeah. And I think that the most radical thing that I've done since I've been working in this bureaucracy is find my yeah, community. I concur. It just makes me really happy, man. Yeah. Like, and, and it's like, I don't know how that translates into systemic change. I kind of have to have faith that it does on some level. I know that it kind of 
it gives me energy it gives me sustainability sustainability yeah. it makes me think of things in, in new ways but i love that we're living it out right here mm -hmm. and in contrast to sam like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. poor sam yeah. never got to sit around and like yeah. drink beers and mm -hmm. like talk yeah. about uh, Talk about shit. this weird movie. Yeah. Yeah. Movie Sam versus reality yeah. Sam. Yeah. Oh, that would have been like very <laughs> And that's often the hardest piece of being in a bureaucracy and wanting to, and having a struggle is feeling like, am I crazy? Is it really happening? Hmm. Yeah. And just having one other person to just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's happening. Just one. Just yeah. one person. The difference, between crazy, the difference between crazy and leadership is like not being alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Having 100%. one more person who's yeah. like, yeah, no, yeah. this is real. Yeah. 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 And, and that's a really important part of love and community. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like that connection. I think that is the perfect place <laughs> to end season one. Of the radical bureaucrat. Thank you guys so much hey, for being on Tony Smith Thompson and Patrick G. Williamson. <laughs> it's an honor. It's thank truly an honor. Yeah, thanks you guys for listening. This is dope. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Abram, thank you, man. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> we did it. We did it. We'll do it when it's all edited, but we did it. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah.